Hello, everyone, and welcome into the 3304 Sports Podcast. We have another special preview edition for the Saturday showdown between Richmond and Virginia Tech. I am joined by a very special guest in Andrew Cardinal. He is a student journalist covering the Richmond football team for the Collegian, the student newspaper for Richmond University. Andrew, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So let's get into this. Both teams, Virginia Tech, the Richmond Spiders, Saturday noon game. Both teams coming off really tough losses. Uh, Virginia Tech, a 26 to 21 loss against West Virginia last Saturday on the road, a game where they fought back and were four yards away from a win, but just a, a game full of missed opportunities, game full of failed red zone trips. While Richmond, they're coming off a tough loss against Villanova. Seemed like a pretty wild game. I didn't get to watch it, but I just just looking over the recap, seemed like a pretty wild game. You shut them out, or you got shut out in the first half, down 13-0, outscore Villanova by 24 points in the third, and then get outscored by Villanova 21 to three in the fourth. So kind of segueing into my first question is just what happened in that game? I mean, it seems like Richmond was a different team in the third quarter and then in the first half in the fourth, like what, what went wrong? You know, I mean, this kind of goes back to our first game we had. Um, it was against, against uh, the Howard Bisons. It's kind of the same deal of our offense was good, but our defense in the first half just wasn't all there. Um, I mean, against Howard Bisons, we left a hole wide open. They drove right through it, leaving our defense kind of just baffled. And that's how it was against Villanova. Um, first half, our defense just was not all there. It wasn't good communication. There was a lot of open holes, a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of mistakes. But for both games, just after the first half, kind of getting to sit down, talk with their coaches and get an idea, they were able to come back. Uh, we were able to win it at Villanova. We got 24 points in the third quarter. But again, like you said, we got shut out in that last quarter. Yeah, what were they doing in that in that third quarter? Because it's just rare you kind of see, I mean, football is a sport like that, but it's rare you see a team put up that much points in one quarter, produce that much, and it's just pretty much goose eggs the rest of the way. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It was just, I wasn't able to watch the game. I was picking it apart by a radio, but, I mean, it seems like Villanova – you know, thought they had it in the bag and they let their guard down and Richmond took the opportunity to get through that. And they got, they put those points up on the board. They did extremely well. You know, communication was good, but, you know, we may have gotten too cocky in the last quarter and just pulled the same string of just letting our guard down and then come back to bite us in the butt. Mm-hmm. So Joe Mancuso, he had a pretty solid day passing 18 to 32, 244 yards, two touchdowns, but two interceptions. I'm not too familiar with Mancuso, but is he, a kind of gunslinger type quarterback that takes a lot of risks or was that something Villanova was able to do really well in terms of just forcing turnovers because the Virginia tech defensive backs have been great at turning the ball over so far this year. I mean, Jermaine Waller, he's probably one of the best corners in the nation. He has a pick in every game. So what is he, what kind of quarterback is Joe Mancuso? Well, Joe Mancuso, he's currently a graduate student. Um, He's from Georgia. So he's here with us today. Uh, with us this year at University of Richmond. And, you know, coming in at 6'4 and 215, he's putting up a really good, really good quarterback plays. Um, he knows how to weigh his options, weigh his risks. He knows when to pass the ball, when to throw it, when to run it. Um, first game against uh, Howard, 
he threw 293 yards with two touchdowns, rushed another one himself. He knows his um his running backs, Aaron Dykes, him and Mancuso are just a dynamic duo. They really know how to put up those points. So I think he really knows how to weigh his options and when when to throw the ball and when to run it. So I look forward to seeing how he goes, uh, how he does against Virginia Tech this coming Saturday. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you mentioned Aaron Dyke uh, out of the backfield. Uh, is it somewhat of a tandem with him and Savon Smith, or how do those two complement each other? Because their carries were pretty even against the Wildcats. I mean, I'd say they weigh up pretty pretty equally. Um, both have their pros and cons, depending on how you want to look at it. I mean, Dyke's just extremely good player. Um, against Villanova, he had a 98-yard uh, return off, off the kick, which was just crazy to hear about and, you know, hearing the fans scream. But, I mean, a 98-yard return for a spider touchdown, it's pretty rare you see that, which was really nice to see. You know, that kind of got his name out there. So it'll be nice to see him he play up against Virginia Tech as well. Yeah, so which do – you, do you see Dykes having a big day? Because Virginia Tech, their front just gave up 160 yards to – uh, West Virginia's running back, Letty Brown, who is a fantastic back, but 160 yards on 19 carries. They were get, they were getting things just too easily. Do you see Dykes having a good day, or are there, are there some things that Savon Smith can do that you think can exploit this Virginia Tech defense? Oh, it's a tough question to ask, just because I've I missed one of the one of the last games, so I haven't been able to see uh, both players in recent plays, but. Oh, man. That's a really tough question. I, I mean, really, right now, it's just kind of – it's going to be tough to be really down to just seeing how they perform on the field Saturday. Um, mm -hmm. I think both players will have, again, their pros and cons and what they bring to the field. What those pros and cons are, I can't really comment on exactly. I haven't been able to watch them play that much. But I think Dykes, he's got the speed, and I think that will be really helpful come Saturday. Yeah, and what do you what do you what do you know about this offensive line? How how experienced is this group? Um, because because Virginia Tech just has not been able to generate much pressure. I think that's one of the huge keys to this game on Saturday. Um, offensive line wise, it's it's a mix of your grades, your your freshmen, sophomore, junior, seniors, your graduate students. So it's it's a good lineup between diversity. Um, you know, looking back at recent games, they've the offense has been good. It just comes back down to what Joe Mancuso commented on after Howard's game is that he says that the football team is made up of your three walls, your offense, your defense, and your specialties. And he commented saying that all three really, they do their job. They all complement each other, which seeing come Saturday, I hope that we can still see that with defense and offense and specialties working together to hopefully get a spider victory. Mm -hmm. Whether that comes true or not, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I mean, those fronts and special teams are definitely – some of the most important things in a good football team. Um, but what are the pass catchers looking like? No one really stood out against the Wildcats. Um, it seems that Connor Devaney is the main guy. I think he had a pretty good game against uh, Howard. But who do you see making plays in the receiving game for the Spiders? In the receiving game, I would say definitely Connor. Um, I think he's going to be, you know, number one, in my opinion. Um, just looking back at his previous, you know, games, I definitely see him as a tight end. I mean, as a tight end, he's definitely going to put up a good game, especially as a freshman. Right. Um, he's got a lot of stress on his shoulders as a freshman. You know, they're kind of uh, – man, how do I want to word this? You know, as a freshman, they're often overlooked. You know, they're the new guys. They don't know what they're doing or, you know, they don't have much as play time. But really, 
I mean, he averaged 16.3 yards in high school. Um, played a year of football at Shawnee, averaging 13 yards there as well. Um, his senior year, he averaged 18.3 sorry, 18.3 per, points per game. So I think seeing him on, hopefully seeing him on the field on Saturday, I expect him to put up a pretty good game. All right, so let's transition to the defensive side of the ball. Um, going to this game, Virginia Tech is just in a huge need of a big game out of their receiving group. And I really think they're going to try to be aggressive. I think they're going to air it out downfield. Because if not, I think BT fans will just be livid after last week's performance. So after Villanova just threw up for over 350 yards, is there is there any faith uh, that the Richmond – Secondary can kind of stymie the hoagie wide receivers. Oh man, um, you know this kind of goes back to our defense and how it at times can be lacking. You know, maybe mm-hmm. a lack of communication. Um, I have a class right next to the football field. I've been watching the offense, the defense, and you know their drills, and they're really working hard. And I do have faith in them that come Saturday we will see a good game of defense. Just hopefully, all hopefully we see good communication there. Um, again, it goes back to Howard and. Villanova, where the defense just wasn't there in the first half. I just hope that come Saturday that, you know, it doesn't take a full half in order for our defense to kind of get their head straight, get that communication down and be able to play a good defense. Yeah, and when we're talking about the defense, I think you have to mention Tyler Dressler because he seems like the key guy for the Spiders. Big playmaking linebacker. Uh, He had a strip sack against Howard. He had 11 tackles against Villanova. Uh, Is he someone – on that defensive side that really needs to have a big day when you're talking about the communication and the consistency. Uh, if, you, if, if Richmond is going to have a chance, do you think he's someone that needs to have a big day? I mean, absolutely. Dressler has his names out there. I mean, if you say Tyler Dressler, people know who you're talking about. Uh, against Howard, he had nine tackles, a sack. Um, against Lehigh, five tackles. Villanova, 11 tackles. You know, he's definitely got, he's got the skills there. He's definitely put his name out there. Seeing him play Saturday, hope to see some sacks, see some good tackles. Um, whether or not he's going to be putting up high numbers, that always comes down to how well y'all's offensive line is. But hope to see some some high numbers. Yeah, and is there anyone else uh, that comes to mind uh, when you're talking about the defensive side of the ball that really needs to step up this weekend to slow down the Virginia Tech offense? Um, I wouldn't say anyone needs to step up, you know, Precisely, but I mean, our defensive line is made up of Jeremiah Grant, Caden Pritchett, um, Conrad, just you know, Chance Graves, and a lot of them. You know, they've been putting up a good game, they're putting up a good defense. It just all comes down to communication, that stress, you know, putting people on the field, especially with an elevation change of going from you know, elevation down here is 166 feet above sea level up to Virginia Tech, Blacksburg, where it's about 2,000 feet above sea level. It's to be a change in temperature and pressure and air quality, air quality, but air pressure. Yeah. So it's going to be a big, big change. You know, communications be the big one, but also just adapting and overcoming those, you know, new circumstances. You know, we've been having, we had a home team advantage our first two games of the season. Third game was no home team or home field advantage, which we lost. So hopefully that our, our luck those first two games comes out again this third, uh, fourth game. That's interesting, and I, w- I really wonder – you mentioned the air – like the difference of the air pressure. I wonder hmm. – I never thought about that because I mean, obviously Blacksburg's 
somewhat up in the mountains. I never really thought about that having an effect, but I assume that has to have some effect on your just conditioning and uh, like how you prepare for the game. Absolutely. I mean, if it's kind of like, you know, maybe a lot of listeners can, you know, relate, but you go up to the mountains, you go hiking, you, you feel the change in the air as you go higher and higher. I mean, it's, again, we're low elevation down here, air quality, I keep saying air quality, air pressures, you know, <laughs> pretty basic. And they're all used to, I mean, a lot of these kids are coming from, you know, New England area or Virginia themselves, where elevation really isn't crazy, except for like Appalachia. But, um, you know, just elevation change can play a factor, how how they can adapt to it. You know, it may not be a huge difference, but still a difference that can play a factor. And then again, we're losing that home team, home field advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you're right. Blacksburg is known for their horrible air quality. <laughs> I'm obviously just kidding. <laughs> but regardless of Saturday's outcome, I kind of want to talk big picture. How do you see Richmond performing this year? Um, has there been a lot of turnover on this roster? And what, what teams are showing good first impressions in the CAA as a, as a conference? I uh, can't say I've been following the CAA very closely, so I, I don't have a really a comment on that. But for turnover-wise, um, you know, the team's been working hard. We have, you know, players come in last quarter that aren't usually playing. They get some play time, and, you know, they execute well. Um, excuse me. Against Lehigh, we had a 31-3 win. You know, that's just kind of a blowout there. And, you know, the offense was really strong. Uh, against Howard, we brought in – the name slid in my mind right now. We brought in a second dairy quarterback. He performed really well. Uh, he got a couple yards, nothing compared to Mancuso, but he still put up a good game as a quarterback. Got you. And then what do you think about um, the coach? Is it Huseman? Huseman, yeah. So Huseman's a character, you know, God love him. Um, he knows what to say, how to say it, and he puts it very bluntly. Mm-hmm. Um, against Howard, against our defense was lacking there. I mean, they ran right through a wide open gap and uh, Huseman was quick to, you know, answer that question about what happened to our defense there. And he said, you know, it's going to go, it's going to go back to just watching tapes, practice, 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 and that, you know, watching those tapes and that practice combined, they will fix their mistakes. They will learn from them. And, you know, that's what football is, is you learn from your mistakes. You learn from it. Um, You just better yourself as a team and you just go from there. Uh, so how long has he been there, Houston? Houston has it's a great question. I'm gonna look real quick. Uh, I can't say very let's see, let's see, let's see. Asking a question I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I got so this I is a fifth, a... this is a fifth season as head coach. Okay. So you, he's been coaching you... for sorry, continue. No, you go ahead. Uh, just it's just for fifth year at University of Richmond, 13th season overall as a collegiate head coach. Um, in his five years here, he's definitely put out, you know, some good plays, some good wins. And I look forward to seeing what else he brings to University of Richmond over this coming season and the following years. Gotcha. It sounds good. It sounds like he's building something. Uh, so to kind of wrap this up, I always do uh, one bold prediction for the game. If, if it's a, a stat line, if it's Joe Mancuso is going to throw for 400 yards. You can say that, but any stat, any any weird play you see happening, um, it could be something about the outcome of the game, but give me a bold prediction for Saturday's matchup. Uh, bold prediction. 
if I'm being unrealistic, Richmond will win. I'm just messing around. You know, I got faith in Richmond that we're going to win this. I mean, it's going to be, I feel like it's going to be a close game. Uh, last time Richmond and Virginia Tech played, I think the difference was just by a few points. And against Villanova, again, it came down to a seven-point difference. So my real prediction is that looking at the stats, I hope we get the win. But I'm feeling that's going to be just a close game and that we may not get the win this time. You know, maybe next time we come around, we will. Uh, Player-wise, Predictions are tough because I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm you don't, you don't, don't have faith in my team and in my school. Both it comes down to just, you know, we're not on the home home field advantage. It's going to be a different environment. Um, but prediction wise, I feel that Mancuso is going to throw at least, at least I'm praying 200 yards. We're going to have some, you know, good passes, some good runs. Our kicker um, going to go back to our specialties. He's been killing it in the game. He's just been, you know, putting them really? through the uprights. Uh, he put up a uh, one through the upright of 50 yards, which was pretty impressive. So I feel some have some uh, good kicks coming from him. So prediction-wise, just overall good offense and hopefully a good defense. How many touchdowns for Mancuso? Mancuso. Sorry, I've got my little list here on my side that I'm looking through. Um, <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Let's see. So touchdowns already. Um, he's had six total this year or this season. Um, hopefully, we'll see at least two. I prediction wise, I'm you know predicting maybe four touchdowns. Whether he runs them or throws them, you know I'm gonna put some faith in him. He's just been putting up a really good game. He's just been killing it. So that's a bold prediction. It is. You know I'm gonna put faith in my team. <laughs> yeah. So you so. That's your bold prediction, your score prediction. You just said it's going to be a close game. You think Virginia Tech edges out a win? That, is I that do. right? I, mean, I, 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 I do. I believe it's going to be Virginia Tech's going to come, and, you know, they're going to lead. But, you know, like we saw in the last game against Villanova, my prediction that it's going to be a back and forth each quarter. You know, Virginia Tech's going to lead in one quarter, which is going to come back. Virginia Tech, Richmond, it's going to be kind of a back and forth game of tug of war. Yep, and I definitely expect somewhat of the same back-and-forth game. Andrew Cardinal, thank you so much for joining us uh, for the 3304 Sports Podcast. A lot to, a lot to look forward to this weekend. Uh, should be a great Saturday full of football and should be a great noon game. Early kickoff, G-Tech Richmond. Thank you for joining me, Andrew. Thank you for having me, uh, Wyatt. I really appreciate it. I look forward to hearing about Saturday's game. Of course. All right. That'll do it for us. Welcome back. We are here to talk about Virginia Tech. This is Dan Steinbach uh, here with Colgram Bergstrom. We are welcoming we are welcoming back Carter Hill to the program. Uh, Carter, let's just jump into it following a tough loss this past Saturday in Morgantown. So let's start with the defense against West Virginia. Uh, getting gashed early on in the game. Uh, defense gives up two touchdowns in the first six minutes. Uh, watching the game live, seeing the first two plays that West Virginia runs potentially both be home run plays. If, you know, their quarterback hits their wide receiver in stride, you know, they go the distance there. 
and then just a 80 yard gut punch up the middle. Now, you know, giving up two touchdowns early, not, not a good sign, but they respond. They only give up 13 points the rest of the day, including only three in the entire second half, a uh, big turnover late, obviously the uh, interception to set the offense up, give them a real chance to make the comeback. Can you speak to the readiness out of the gate of the defense and how it needs to be improved? And again, thanks for coming on this week. Yeah, no, thanks for having me again. Yeah, just uh, shell shocks the way I would describe it. I, I think Virginia Tech came out there in West Virginia, tried to punch them in the mouth, and that's, that's exactly what they did. I believe it, was, it took them five plays, put up two touchdowns on the board, second play from scrimmage, obviously. They go 80 yards downfield, and then, like you said, they take the deep shot on the first play, and then the second drive after you know, a good field position, they capitalize and hit, a, I believe, a 29-yard touchdown, something of that caliber. So, so yeah, I mean, you touched on it pretty much. I mean, the defense came out and they didn't seem ready to play. I think Dax Hollifield kind of described them as, or actually I believe it was Jermaine Waller said that they may have been a little bit anxious coming into the game. Dax said that, you know, he won phased it all by the 14-0 deficit. And that kind of showed, you know, they kind of picked it up. Set your first half, still a little bit slow, held them to 24, which is, you know, not exactly where you want to be at halftime. But like you said, second half really stepped up defensively. Only Gave up, I think, well below 100 yards. I don't have the stats right in front of me, but well below 100 yards in the second half to that West Virginia offense. Kept them in the game and gave them, I mean, gave them a, a great chance to win the football game, and they had that great chance. But yeah, like I said, I, I think defensively early on, they they just weren't ready to play, and that's hard to admit sometimes. But West Virginia, you know, give them credit. They they did what they needed to do to attack that defense uh, that that Justin Hamilton had out there. But you ha also have to give Virginia Tech credit as well. They made those halftime adjustments and. And they were ready to go. Second half came around, and, and they they balled out. And like I said, give them a legit shot to win the football game. And hopefully that's not going to be an issue again moving forward. Um, kind of as you mentioned as well, the fact that they only gave up three points in the second half as a whole just kind of really showed how that defense rebounded after a rough start. Um, moving on to towards the other side of the ball, um, which was – honestly probably the more talked about side of the two the offensive side it was very horizontal with three of the drives um we had three drives that ended up being inside the five yard line and that resulted in zero points which that's something that you know no team is ever going to want um with play calling kind of being the obvious focus of like not only like the fan base but also media um, why can't this offense really generate points consistently? Well, yeah, I mean, play calling is definitely the topic of discussion, and I probably shouldn't, yeah, I probably shouldn't comment too much on play calling. There, there definitely was some questionable calls down there in the red zone for sure, but I mean, that's going to happen. I more point back to before the end of the first half when Virginia Tech gets the big kickoff return from Raheem Blackshear, and they get it down to the to the two, and then uh, Burmeister misses two throws one may have been tipped it, it may have been caught I, I don't know that's up for debate could be another Danny Cole situation but then you get it down to the the seven after a huge false start penalty and you're forced to kick a field goal and you're you know you're down 24-7 you wanted to punch it in but at that point you know you're thinking okay if we can get three and get a stop defensively we're gonna have a shot in the second half and then you you know you know you you miss a 24-yard field goal which just can't happen or can't happen at this level of competition and I'm not here to you know, crap on John Parker Roma. You know, he he drove a big, big field goal in the UNC game. That's obviously something that that just can't happen. And and it's hard to say they never recovered because they did kind of get back up off the mat. But 
I mean, that forced Virginia Tech to have to get in the end zone the rest of the game. They weren't able to kick a field goal. Say he makes that field goal before the second half or before halftime, and it's 27-24 heading into that last drive. Virginia Tech's going to kick a game-time field goal, and we're going to overtime on that fourth down play. Now, who knows if that's exactly how it would have turned out, but that's what forced them to have to try to punch it in. And like I said, you know, where they struggled was when you can argue play calling was an issue. You could, you know, you could argue, say, Braxton Burmeister, they, they should have let him, you know, pull a read option and try to score by himself, or they should have ran the ball one more down or, you know, so on and so forth. They just, they don't have that X factor, I feel like, to, you know, now with James Mitchell out, there's not a go-to guy to, to really target in the red zone. And Raheem Blackshear probably was going to be that guy in that last drive. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Raheem Blackshear probably was going to be that guy in the last drive. Unfortunately, he goes out because of cramps. And you're forced to go to Jalen Holston, who is certainly not your power back. And I'm not making excuses at all for Virginia Tech. you got to find a way to punch it in from three with four downs to, to work with. And West Virginia, even at that point, was calling timeout to try to you know get, get them the ball back with a decent amount of time left. But I think it's more there. That that's that's your issue. They, you know, maybe you're not utilizing Burmeister properly. You don't have that playmaker down there to go to. You didn't have your what could be your power back available. You know, you miss some open guys, so on and so forth. It's been more, you know, even pointing back to before the first half or during the first half. It's been more about mistakes. Again, that drive before halftime, you miss two wide open men and. First one, like I said, could have been tipped and it may have been caught. And then you have a false start penalty down in the red zone, which just can't happen. And if you remember, that's kind of what almost cost the Raiders that Monday night football game uh, about a week and a half ago. So, yeah, you know, like just just uh, some mistakes down there and just some little things that need to be corrected. But Hokies are going to have to do that soon before Notre Dame comes to town in two weeks. I mean, with that in mind, actually, to even bring up uh, – before I actually bring up what I think is one of the positives of this game – um, do you think that there really should kind of be more of that red zone guy? Because obviously, as uh, Vivian talked about, and as you just mentioned, missing James Mitchell in the red zone is such a huge piece. But do you think that there really should be like someone specifically at the receiving end that we should find reliable? Like Trey Turner seemed to be a little bit quiet uh, for targets against West Virginia. Um, and then even Tavion Robinson looks really good against West Virginia. And I, I mean, personally, I feel like, you know, there could have been a, a couple more that went his way. Um, including one towards the end of the uh, first half that could have got uh, another touchdown. Yeah, like receiving target-wise for Virginia Tech, it doesn't change a whole lot even with James Mitchell out because like those those two tight ends, they still are they still are big targets that are really going to help out Virginia Tech. It's more from the James, and this isn't directly related to your question, but it's more from the James Mitchell front of like maybe down at the goal line in that last minute you you run a jet sweep with James Mitchell, a guy who's going to power through rather than with Trey Turner on the third and goal of the drive before down in the red zone where – I can see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, where he got stuffed yeah. on the short side of the field. And that was one of those questionable play calls that people were talking about. But from a receiving standpoint, yeah, like I I, I want to see them target Tavion Robinson some more. He's been – and and mm -hmm. he got a lot of targets this past game, but he's been incredibly explosive. He's been – He's also electric. Can break. Yeah, he, he does look electric and he looks a lot more confident this year, actually. Like, oh, yeah. Even from a receiving, like, from a receiving end as well, obviously he does as a punt returner. Last year, he, I mean, to put it frank, he had a pretty poor, a, a pretty poor year as their punt returner. And he, he's, he's, he's got it together there. 
to this point, at least this year. And I think that's helped him in the receiving game as well. I think he's your guy. You definitely have to target. Obviously, Trey Turner's going to be there. I think, like, I'm really curious to see Jaden Payu too, because, like, they, they've talked up Jaden Payu for a long time. Obviously, he had the hamstring, or the hamstring injury for the season, and that's probably slowed him down a little bit. But I think he only had nine or, or I think he only had one target in the West Virginia game, and he only played eight or nine snaps. So if you can get him in the mix, I think you're, you know, you got something there. Chinga Hodge obviously would have helped out too. He's out for the year after tearing his ACL. But yeah, Tavian Robinson's your guy, I feel like. And, and Trey Turner's a nice piece, but I don't think he's necessarily the star of the offense, if that makes sense. Even with James Mitchell, I don't think he's the star of the offense. And I'd like to see Payu get involved as well. But yeah, to answer your question, I think Tavian Robinson's got to be the guy you're going to target going forward in crucial situations certainly Tavion was a, a big positive there he's been a big positive I think ever since I've been here on campus but to uh get another real big positive uh something we talked about uh, last time you were on the podcast kind of uh filling up some of those receptions that were lost for James Mitchell that did actually come for Caleb Smith as he had the most receptions um by a player not only in that game but also of this season uh, are you looking for him to uh, go into more of a bigger role moving forward, or is he just going to kind of be that reliable guy? Yeah, I, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what Caleb Smith has going forward. This is actually kind of a big game for him this upcoming weekend. I don't know if you know the story, but his dad played football at Richmond and his mom played basketball at Richmond. So this wow. is kind of a, this is going to be kind of a, a fun game for him. So I, I think this, this one will be, will be a lot of fun. So I, I look forward to seeing how well he performs this weekend. But yeah, I think he showed last week, you know, people forgot about Caleb Smith. I didn't even mention Caleb Smith a, a minute ago. People forgot about Caleb Smith coming into the year and forgot about how good of a receiver he can be and how strong he is. He's pretty much the opposite of Trey Turner. He's not going to be a guy that's targeted a ton, but I mean, that, that man is ripped and, and he can push off on guys and, and he can lower his shoulder. And I think you're really going to have to use that going forward against some more physical teams. West Virginia was an extremely physical team defensively. And, and if I haven't done a ton of research into some of the teams that they're playing going forward, but say Notre Dame is physical defensively, Caleb Smith's going to be a guy that you're going to target maybe for short yardage and see what you can get after that. So I definitely think he's going to be a guy going forward. I don't think last week was just a fluke. I mean, West Virginia was a pretty big game. You could maybe say it was just a fluke after middle Tennessee or, or Richmond. And, and, I'm not saying that with Connor Blumrick, but we didn't see Connor Blumrick any this weekend, and we saw him against Middle Tennessee. It wasn't one of those situations. They put out Caleb Smith in a, albeit it wasn't a conference game, but a, a big rivalry game on the road that would have meant a lot if they won the game. So I, I definitely think he's going to be utilized a lot more going forward, especially when we reach conference play as well. All right, Carter, real quick, I do want to, because since you brought him up, I was thinking about whether or not I wanted to ask a question of this status but you know i'll just ask it quickly and you know quick response last time uh after the middle tennessee game you know you mentioned the connor uh the connor blumert package uh and seeing him kind of be in that qb power type offense that you know was similarly run with a guy like quincy patterson you know in the previous two years but in a situation in a short goal in a short short yarded situation we see uh braxton burmeister run the fourth and one uh, qb power type play were you surprised seeing Blumrick's uh, package not being used in this game? Yeah, actually, I was very, very surprised. I thought the fourth and one uh, towards the middle of the second quarter when Tech was down 14-7 would have been the perfect time to use them, 
especially since it worked last week too. Again, Middle Tennessee's defense isn't what West Virginia's is, but you have a fourth and one, and you're going to you know, sneak a quarterback and shotgun who you haven't really run up the middle and to also preserve him from getting hit. That one didn't make a lot of sense to me. I also would have considered putting him in, actually. I know, like, you know, you Burmeister's your guy, but I would have considered putting him in with a minute and a half left on first and goal and run him up the middle two times and see what he could get there. If, if you get in, you get in. If not, oh, well, you probably get to the one. And maybe you try it again. Maybe you hand the ball off. But I, I actually – that was one of the most surprising things coming out of the game uh, for me was not seeing Connor Blumberg. And, and it wouldn't have been if there wasn't necessarily a situation to put him in. But I thought they had – especially one, but I thought they had two picture-perfect situations to be able to utilize him in. The fourth and one's the big one for me before – or in the first half. You probably remember what I'm talking about. When, when they were stuck at the 25-yard line when it was 14-7. And then even towards the end of the game, like I said, I, I don't think it was a bad idea to, to try him out there because you had four downs to score. If he doesn't get in the first down or two, oh, well, I, I just thought, you know, and they had room to work with because Tech was also trying to move the clock as well to prevent West Virginia from getting the ball back. So, yeah, no, I actually was very, very surprised. All right, let's lightly touch on a couple other players that have had their names uh, thrown around following the game. Let's start out. You know what? Since you already mentioned him, let's just talk about John Parker Roma real quick. Uh I saw this today. Virginia Tech, when they get in the red zone this season, they haven't converted on a field goal. And I feel like he only has two attempts on the season, one during uh, North Carolina and then obviously the one at the end of the first half against West Virginia. Uh, Even going back to last year when he took on some place kicking responsibilities, it's not like his accuracy is that high uh, in his career. Are you a little worried about the special teams being able to get points in that regard? I mean, I guess it's hard not to be when you look at his stats for the year. He did drill that 48-yarder against Carolina, and then he missed the 31-yarder, and then, you know, he missed the 24-yarder, which, like I said, just can't really happen at at the Power 5 level. I I wish, you know, it's hard to say you wish you were able to kick a field goal, but I wish he was able to get a couple field goals under his belt in the Middle Tennessee game to give him more confidence. And that's what I'm looking forward to this weekend as well. Cause I, I hope he gets some opportunities. Obviously you hope tech gets in the end zone, but like, I hope he gets some opportunities to be able to kind of regain his confidence because Justin Puente and them, they were high, they were high on him coming into the year. And he's really the guy uh, as a field goal kicker. I mean, you have the transfer from, from South Carolina that came in who was sitting behind them. So maybe they utilized him, but, but no, it's hard not to be concerned. I would like to get him out there this week and hopefully see him go two for two, three for three, drill, you know, a 25-yard or 35-yard or 45-yard. That would be ideal, and, and it would be ideal if, you know, that's in a blowout as well if you're a Virginia Tech fan. But, yeah, I mean, it's got to turn around quickly because it's going to be hard to trust a kicker who's this inconsistent in conference play, and it's going to, you know, limit yourself offensively because you can't play for field goals if you know you're if that's if that's what's going to happen on a regular occurrence so Justin point they talked about earlier this week you know they're going to keep on evaluating the you know what they're going to do as far as he's going to be kicking field goals I think you're going to see John Parker Roman this week just to see how he does and then after that you know maybe we see some changes if he keeps struggling I don't know but yeah no it's hard not to be worried right now especially with kind of how he started the year for sure all right real quick uh focus on the defense uh Amari Barno 
you know, a guy that all ECC hype going into the season, big game against North Carolina. This is the second game in a row. He's been shut out from recording a stat. Uh, is there something going on? Are they scheming him differently? Are you seeing something with him uh, that is throwing you off? Well, what's going on in that situation? Yeah, no, that's definitely interesting. It's it's extremely unusual to see a guy, especially if his caliber, have the game he had against North Carolina and then go two straight games without having, well, one, a tackle. Then he didn't even have an assist these last two games as well. So he's been pretty much just thrown by the wayside. I don't know if it's anything Virginia Tech's doing scheme-wise because, you know, like West Virginia had a pretty immobile quarterback. So he's not going to be running around. Now they did have Garrett Green who could come in and 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 – you know, put the ball in the, or, or, you know, turn out some yards on the ground. But I don't think it's necessarily anything when it comes to scheme. I think it's just, I think it's just, I, honestly, I think it's just been a bad two weeks because he's too good of a player to be able to have these games consistently and then, you know, in, 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 in out and, uh, or week in and week out. And uh, yeah, you know, when, when you have that type of player out there, it's not something that's going to happen consistently. That's why it's been so surprising to see, you know, the last two games that he's had, but I I'm looking forward again, I'm looking forward to seeing him rebound this weekend as well, because he's still very much a key contributor to this Virginia tech team. And if they're going to be successful defensively, he's going to have to be able to contribute. So it, it's, they got to be able to get him going. Like I said, I think it's just a bad two games. I don't think it's anything to do with, with scheme. I'm not the most, you know, educated on, every single in and out of, of a defensive scheme, but just kind of looking fringe wise, I, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I, I think it's more just, you know, it's it just, it just hasn't been there the last two games. And I, I look forward to seeing him get going again this weekend. And then, you know, I got to get him ready for Notre Dame because they're going to want him to get after Jack Cohen and, and Notre Dame's offensive line. If they're you know going to be successful in that one. All right. So last week we asked you about the running game and about whether or not it was explosive, you know, seeing that at the time Braxton Burmeister was the rushing leader for the team and looking at last week, you know, not even able to average 2.6 yards per carry. Uh, you know, we talk about last season's team, which was top 10 in the nation and running with Khalil Herbert and, you know, Christian Darisaw, Doug Nestor, Ryan Hudson on that line, along with Brock Hoffman, who is still here. But aside from that, you know, this rushing offense, in the time that Justin Fuente and Brad Cornelson have been here, this is their worst rushing offense so far. And last week we saw what it looks like, you know, when all the bad things happen at once, you know, not able to average even three yards per carry. So are you officially concerned now? Cause I mean, we asked you last week and I, it, it seems like kind of shook it off. Is this rushing game, you know, something to worry about in the long haul and, you know, looking at that offensive line, right tackles become a question now. I haven't, I, I'm still not necessarily concerned about the run game because I don't think that they have used that as much as they potentially could. They've been more reliant on the pass game. I'm looking at the stats right now. Yeah, Blackshear 40, or 47 yards last week. And then, uh, yeah, Jalen Holston with 42 yards and Blackshear was on 10 carries and Holston was on 11 carries. So, yeah, like you said, it just hasn't been there. I... You are, I guess I could say I am a, a little bit concerned. I don't think they've used it as much as they potentially could. Like I said, the offensive line has been pretty solid so far this year. Last weekend, they weren't nearly as solid. I mean, Burmeister got sacked six times. And then obviously when Janzi went out, that was a killer. As far as the right tackle question, 
I don't know who's going to play right tackle this weekend because I wouldn't throw Silas Chansey out there unless he's 100%. And then and then just uh, Brock Hoffman's not your guy there either. I mean, you could put Parker Clemens out there, but he's been banged up. He didn't even make the trip to West Virginia, so we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, back to your question about the run game. I guess I could say as I'm answering it, I'm a little concerned now. They have made some plays when they need to. For example, Blackshear's 20-yard run for, for a touchdown. The, you know, the plays on the ground to get them in the red zone towards the end of the game. So they have made some plays. It just hasn't been to the point where they potentially could. And like I've said multiple times on here, Raheem Blackshear was supposed to do what Khalil Herbert did last year. And he's definitely a playmaker. And they've actually used you know, him in the receiving game a little bit as well. But yeah, I mean, I'm not too incredibly concerned, but, but yeah, I mean, you have to be a, a tad bit. And, and I guess, you know, averaging 2.5 yards per carry, a lot of that had to do with Braxton Burmeister getting sacked six times. He only had 11 yards for, for 16 carries because he got sacked a, a multitude of times. I also want him to get going on the ground as well, because he's such a threat on the ground. But uh, yeah, I, like I said, I started out this question saying I'm not that concerned as I'm looking more through the numbers, tad bit concerning, but hopefully they can get going this weekend because I know the talent's there and and they, you know, they they still have made the plays at times when they need to to make them. Uh, and the last question I wanted to ask uh, you here is the fact that um so this weekend we're going to be coming up against Richmond and but let's think about it like this they they aren't the most you know explosive offense explosive team they're, they're, they're a smaller team it's kind of like uh, how we were looking at MTSU in in a sense uh can this team can Virginia Tech just go out and easily put up 40 on these guys and walk out with a comfortable win um or is there going to be a little bit of a fight in this game and then the other thing I'd want to cover is specifically with how explosive this matchup might be, hopefully for our offense. We talked about Caleb Smith and his relation to Richmond and, um, or really you brought it to light, uh, which is very interesting. Um, do you think that there's at least like one other under the radar player offensively that fans could look out for? As far as putting up 40 points, I don't think it'll be easy because Richmond actually has a pretty good defense. Now, this is, like I said, or like, you know, everyone knows it's an FCS team. So it's a game Virginia Tech should win handily. And anything otherwise will, you know, kind of rile the fan base up again. I don't know if they'll easily put up 40 points. They probably should. But like I said, Richmond's defense is pretty solid, especially up front. Justin Fuente was harping on how good those guys are up front for Richmond. I think he said something like, couple of those guys could play at tech. So they're going to be pretty solid if that's the case. So it's going, it, it's not going to be easy to do that by any means. And Justin Puente said it after the middle Tennessee game, Virginia tech's not a team that's going to explode for 50 or 60 points night in and night out. So it's never, it's never, you know, a given that Virginia tech is going to put up that, um, or, you know, that many points. Now, it would be nice to be able to see them do that and show some explosiveness offensively that we haven't seen a ton of this year, but we'll see. As far as a player to watch out for offensively, you talked about Caleb Smith. That was going to be my guy. So I'll, I'll go – who should I go? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say Virginia Tech's offensive line as a whole because 
I want to see how they respond last week or respond from last week after giving up those six sacks. We'll see the Smith said today in the press conference that, you know, that, that didn't sit well with him because, you know, you think of your quarterback as your little brother, you want to protect or you want to protect him. So anytime that, you know, a defensive line gets to a quarterback six times and, and got to him more than that, they just brought him down six times. That's not going to sit well with your offensive line. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that offensive line bounces back. I'm interested to see who plays right tackle. I'm interested to see how, you know, Brock Hoffman and Lucita Smith and Tyrell Smith, you know, play well up front or how well they play up front. And I think it'll be interesting against, you know, they'll, they'll have a decent test with, with the guys on Richmond's defensive line, but it will be nice to be able to skin kind of bounce back after last weekend and limit the, the sacks as, as little as possible before they headed in, head into the bye week before Notre Dame comes to town in two weeks. Yeah, uh, before we wrap up here, I, I, I was kind of surprised uh, looking at a preview for this game and seeing that Richmond has some guys on both sides of the line, both their offensive line and defensive line. They've got some pretty big guys, uh, especially for FCS standards, and they won't look small out there. It's not going to be some small, small school that it looks like Virginia Tech can just flatten the ground. But all right, Carter, well, thank you so much for coming on again uh, with me and Colby on this week. And I want to thank Wyatt Krieger, for bringing on Andrew from the University of Richmond to talk about the Spiders. So with that all being said, I want to thank you guys for listening to this week's uh, Virginia Tech football preview on the 3304 Sports Podcast. For Colby and Bergstrom, for Carter Hill, I am Dan Steinbach. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day and take care.